welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope and offer insight and encouragement so you can flourish on your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Sarah, Amy, and Carrie will explore a theme, share an inspiring story, a practical tip, and an encouraging blessing using their combined experience of over 30 years of parenting special needs children. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We're so glad you're here today. This week, we have been talking about our diagnosis journey, Diagnosis 101. And as I was thinking about what it felt like to get the diagnosis, I was reminded of the image of a heavy backpack. And sometimes when we get a backpack that's heavy, we have to shoulder it and move our feet so we can carry the weight. And sometimes the burden's too heavy. And that reminds me of the diagnosis. The diagnosis can be overwhelming. So today, as we're talking, I wanted to ask you, Carrie, um, how did you shoulder that load when you initially got the diagnosis and as you continue to deal with the diagnosis? And did you add anything to that load, any burden that made it too heavy to carry? So probably the way that I initially shouldered that load was through planning and trying to control everything that I could control. So going into that 20-week ultrasound, life felt very out of control. I'm a type A planner, and the Children's Hospital where we take our son has a fetal diagnostics program, and so we were able to meet with the doctors and tour the NICU and meet the neurosurgeon who would perform our son's first two surgeries. And that was kind of right up my alley. Um, Not that I enjoyed it, but it gave me something to do that I felt like I could have control, control of. And I think also initially one thing I added to my pack, and I think this is a normal reaction, um, but it was denial. Mm -hmm. I remember just having well-meaning people that would reach out and want to connect me with other special needs moms. And I wasn't ready to be in that category. I did not see what we were going through as a blessing. You know, I feel like a lot of times that the group of special needs moms is that crowd on the playground that no one wants to be a part of. And so I definitely was not ready for that initially. And sometimes when you're really independent, it can be a lonely place. Right. And you said that it helped you to go tour, but do you ever think that sometimes information is too much and that, because sometimes it's helpful to know, but sometimes information, what do you think, Sarah? Information is too much. It burdens you too much. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, For us at the beginning, it's kind of like what we called diagnosis fog. Um, And so for six months, I just thought if I learned everything about it, you know, I wasn't so arrogant that I thought that I was going to learn how to cure, you know, a 200 year old disease or whatever that nobody else has, you know, Mm -hmm. that millions of dollars and scientists and everybody that is trying to work on it, that all of a sudden, you know, Sarah Klein was going to be able to figure out the cure. But I thought, what am I, I don't want to miss anything that I could do to help my child. And I think that that was my way of ignoring all of the emotions that went through it. I thought as long as I was trying 
to do something. And I think it's what, what Carrie said. I think it's just a form of control. I thought as long as I was being busy, I was being a good mom. And I didn't stop to really think of the emotions that went with it. And so I just put the emotions in my backpack and carried them. I didn't deal with them. I never took them out. And so whenever they did finally fall out or it overflowed and it finally came out in a big <laughs> messy mess, um, that's when I had to deal with it. And so, yeah, I just think like Carrie was talking about, she wasn't ready to be part to be partnered up, so to say, with other special needs parents. And we know now, years into it, what a blessing that is. But that doesn't mean it's a blessing at the beginning. It doesn't mean you have to wrap your mind around it. And for me, and I hope everybody hears my heart whenever I say there's absolutely nothing wrong with my child being in a wheelchair. I know that now. He's the same child in a wheelchair than he would be, you know, inside who he is. Um, but that scared me because that was an unknown. So, um, yeah, you just try to figure out so much. And there's really nothing to figure out of just how are you going to emotionally handle it. Right. And I, I think, too, it does depend a little bit on your personality because I like to know what to expect. I, you know, if somebody brings, I am not the big idea person. I am the detail person. Immediately, you know, if my husband brings me an idea, a plan, Um, let's try to do this. I immediately think about all the ways that this practically will or will not work. And I have a good friend that her son was diagnosed like at three months of age. And our oldest two boys are the exact same age. In fact, they were born 16 hours apart. And, and we've often talked about our kids, like she was glad she didn't know when she was pregnant because she just didn't think she could handle it. Whereas on the other hand, I have been thankful that I knew, and I'm sure, again, it goes back to that control, so I could plan. I mean, we even planned his birth date um, so we would get a tax deduction. <laughs> My husband's in <laughs> finance, you know. Um, but it gave me, um, I had realistic expectations set up. I think if I would have gone into the delivery room and then they would have said, you know, here's your baby, he has spina bifida, I would have been even more crushed. So I think some level of that does depend on personality. Really. Yeah, and I, I think it I think it depends on the diagnosis, too. You know, for mine, mine was, all intents purposes, a healthy child until he was eight. And then all of a sudden, we thought he was walking kind of funny up the stairs. That's really the only problem we thought there was. And then all of a sudden, no, he's terminal, it's progressive. And so it was such a shock for me. And like like you said, Carrie, I I love to know what's coming. And so that kind of puts you puts you back a little bit and you don't know what to expect. And I think that's it's hard to know what to put in the backpack when you have no idea what you're doing. Right. Right. How about you, Amy? Well, I was thinking about what you said, Carrie, about the group of special needs moms. You didn't realize you were you didn't want to be a special needs mom. And I would say for all the moms out there that have children with invisible disabilities, behavioral issues like my child does, I didn't realize I was a special needs mom. I just thought here's behavior that is out of control and it's caused by exposure to drugs and alcohol and not attaching. But in my mind, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I can change behavior, which is kind of naive. <laughs> but I didn't realize for a long time, I'm a special needs mom too. And 
because you can't see the disability doesn't mean it's not there. So I think for me, I just tried really hard to make her not be the statistic of, you know, we heard the statistics of fetal alcohol and I thought, okay, she's not going to be in that statistic. But just like Sarah, you can't stop TJ from not being able to walk. (laughs) I can't always stop my children from the behaviors that um, are exhibited by their altered brains. And that took me a really long time to understand. And even today, sometimes I'll forget it and think, come on, I'll I'll get kind of hard on myself. Like I should have done this differently. But really, um, for me, I would say it was just trying harder to make it better when. And then you have the whole issue of people not understanding because the children look normal, typical. When you, when you realized, when you came to the realization that your child, that you were a special needs mom, did that add to your pack or take away from it? Actually, it made me, it took a burden off because I don't know how to explain it, except when you can't see the disability, even in your own head, even though I have the diagnosis, I'm thinking, okay, is this disability or is this just behavior or it's, it's not a clear cut thing. So I think that helped me a lot to think, oh, I'm in this group. And I would say that when I met you guys who have a really different special needs than my children, I was just surprised at how much we had in common. Right. So, and that's one of the reasons we're all talking together today. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I would say to those moms out there with kids with hidden disabilities and behavioral issues, just, um, hang in there and you are a special needs mom and you do need all the accommodations for your child and for yourself. Um, and not to put the burden of changing behavior that may not be able to be changed. And I think loneliness is just a common piece of that also from, and I'm speaking to the standpoint that my child was diagnosed with spina bifida and hydrocephalus, which is one of the most common permanently disabling birth defects in the United States. But then he took a path that was more medically fragile when he ended up with a trach, a ventilator, and a feeding tube between two weeks and three months of age. And so I didn't feel like I fit in with mm-hmm. other moms who had children with spina bifida. And so I went, I, you know, I had a I mentioned my friend before, we decided to start our own support group for moms of children with medically complex needs because you still feel alone. I think some because all of our kids are unique, very unique individuals. And even if you have the same diagnosis with two kids, they're both going to take different paths. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite Bible verses is Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I've quoted it several times and it's come to me you who are weary and and burdened and I will give you rest and I have to admit that I've kind of shook my fist at God before and going okay where's the rest (laughs) but (laughs) I forget the first part come and 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 lay down the burden (laughs) I just want the rest anyway um so when we're talking back to the backpack analogy what what can we take out and give to God and what what do you guys feel like helps you lighten the load And what do you give to God? I think like you just said is we want the rest, but we don't want to give up the burden. And what we do mentally 
it sounds good that we want to give up the burden, mm-hmm. but whenever it comes time for it, that's a really hard thing to do, especially when you have so many balls that you're juggling that you're like, well, at least for me, like, oh, God really doesn't care about the whole medicine thing going on right now. You know, he's got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> like there's just, there's more things right. going on. So I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. need to lay that down. And um, or, you know, just anything that you have going on to lay that down at his feet almost I had to get a, I had to get over myself in a way and I had to let myself know it doesn't mean that I'm lazy and it doesn't mean that I'm a quitter if I just stop and hand it to God. Um, and then that's when the rest comes. Right. And I think that that's what a lot of people just don't, especially special needs parents, um, us moms that are so used to doing everything, moms do anything anyway. And then you add a whole other complex issues, you know, set of complex issues on it. That's just a whole other, it's a whole other beast where you have to lay down. So it's really hard to let go of that control. I think that's for me at least. Right. And I, I would agree with Sarah. I think the burden that I often need to lay down is, is that control. And I think also just looking too far into the future one of the things that I feel like God has taught me is there's there's another verse in Matthew that says, you know, take no thought for tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. And, you know, God cares for the sparrows. Well, sparrows are really annoying birds, <laughs> but it says he cares when one falls, you know. But And so if he cares for a sparrow that falls, I know that he can handle tomorrow. And so... I try to focus on the now or the near future and not, you know, borrow trouble from worrying about what's going to happen further down the road. Right. I would say for me, I I had to give up the idea that I had to know all of it because mm-hmm. at least with our kids, people were always saying things to me like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And I would go down every rabbit trail of therapy of gummy, you know, melatonin gummies or (laughs) fish oil or whatever (laughs) the thing was. And I would think, okay, I have to try everything because I have to make this better. And I've said this before that one of the best things I've learned to do is unclench my fist and I don't always do it well and say the sentence, I don't know. I really don't know. And I don't need to know today. Um, That frees me up in parenting all my children, but especially my special needs children, because I just, what's kind of ridiculous to think that we are going to know it all and then we're all going to be able to figure it out anyway. Yeah. And yeah. I think how often we waste time worrying about problems we have no control over anyway. So for me, I have taken out the heavy brick in my pack of I have to know and I have to have the answers. And even like when I would have to go in to talk to principals or IEP people and they would say, well, how come she's doing this or doing that? And I felt like I was, you know, on a PowerPoint presentation. I needed to know everything about her, her issues. But sometimes I would say, I don't know either. I mean, and it's okay to say that. So I think that is what really lightened the burden for me. Yeah, that's really good. Well, today we've been talking about the diagnosis. You guys, anything else you want to add before we close? Um, Sarah closes in prayer. If you could go back to Sarah how many years ago or Carrie how many years ago, what do you think the one thing you would tell yourself? 
I would say to myself, enjoy your baby. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you know, because my son had a prenatal diagnosis, I, he became the diagnosis and not my baby, mm-hmm. not my son, right. my child. And so, and I would tell moms, enjoy your kids as much as you can. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult when you're running to therapy and doctor's appointments or they're screaming in a grocery store um, because they're on sensory overload or whatever it is that makes your child's diagnosis really difficult. But just look for those little things and look past the diagnosis to the child and who they are and what, what they love and what they don't love and just take some deep breaths and enjoy your kid. I agree. I think that that would be number one to just go back and just, for me, I, I talked to myself a little bit different, Carrie. I would go back and I would tell myself that I needed to chill out a bit and just go with the flow. I'm a little bit high strung, but, um, I think I would also, I would go back and let myself know, Amy, exactly like what you said is just, you don't have to know everything. What you do have to know is the kind of mom that you want to be and what's the role you're going to play in his or her life. That's all you need to know right now. You don't need to know all of the latest treatments and you don't have to, for me, I, I was trying to worry about for, you know, all intents and purposes, he looked like a normal child. And I used the quotes, you guys can't see me, but I used normal in quotes that was walking and he absolutely did not look like there was anything wrong with them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when people are like, well, he looks healthy, it would just send me on a spiral because it was almost like, then you start, well, I'm making too much of it. And you would try to have to explain everything to any, everybody. And like, (laughs) Amy, you were saying that, you know, people tell you about the gummies or anything. I had somebody who's like, well, have you tried muscle milk? Muscle milk, <laughs> you know, it's like, and then for me, that would get me, <laughs> that would get me so frustrated. <laughs> like, you know, all of these scientists out there for 200 years were like, hey, have you guys tried muscle milk? I know you might have overlooked that, but it, it really happens. And then I would get on the spiral of how dare they, and I would take it almost personally at first. Um, and then I, what I did is I just learned to train myself that this is not their fight. And I would thank God that they didn't know any better. Right. Because the fact that they would say something like that meant that they had no clue what we were dealing with. And that's a blessing for them. So that's how I kind of handled it from then on. And just telling myself, I don't, I don't need to know all the things. I just need to know that it is my responsibility as his mom to make his life, however long, as joyous and as full as I can. That's my job. Right. Right. I I would I was going to say something else, but then you made me think of a different thing I would tell myself. There would probably be a lot of things I would tell myself. But when you said yes. that people speak into your life, when you have a child with detachment disorder and behavioral issues, people speak into your life. <laughs> and it's not always positive. Sure. So I think oh what I would gosh. tell myself is I get to choose who I listen to. I get to choose who sits in those seats that go in the sit in the important seats because people don't know the full story. And I remember my therapist saying, unless they live in your house, they don't know the full story. Right. So you don't have to defend it if you don't want to. And that's right. That's not my nature. I'm kind of a people pleaser. I'm not kind of, I am a people pleaser. So that was a hard thing. But I think if I could go back and tell myself, I would say, you pick the people who mm-hmm. speak into your life and the rest of them, you're going to have to be like Teflon and let them, let them, 
go. That's so and good. I still don't do that great, but I've gotten a lot better at that. Because, it, you know, with behavior stuff, you're thinking, oh, they're thinking I'm a bad mom. You know, it's a whole thing. So yeah. anyway, so that's what totally have lightened that very ridiculously heavy backpack I'd been carrying for a long time. So um, one of the things that as special needs moms is that we have to accept something that we didn't necessarily ask for. <laughs> And we have to accept challenges and limitations every day. Um, so, Sarah, would you like to read our prayer? Sure. I'm going to leave us with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thanks for joining us this week on Take Heart. Our prayer each week is for your heart to be encouraged. We are grateful that you are walking on the journey with us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast so you'll never miss a show. You can follow us on Instagram at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments, follow the links in the show notes, and we would love to hear your story. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday.